This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Hey, how are you? Good. Now, now, listen, very exciting news. God loves you. Oh, gosh, you know, guys, I need a bit more from a panto crowd this morning, you know. Spring has... Sp- come on! Come on! Spring has sprung, which is joyous, isn't it? It does just put a spring in your step, quite literally. And on that note, we are going to be talking words of encouragement, life, growth, flourishing, budding, blossoming. Is that okay? We're going to be talking about an encouraging word from God, because what's just happened is from God. Do you understand that? You know, what, what the worship we have been led into, the words, you know, the prayers that we have just heard, if we engage that intentionally right now, we are going to see changes in our lives, aren't we? We are going to see changes in our lives right now, this second. It isn't that your life is going to be changed when you reopen the door and it's like, oh gosh, look, a whole new world. You know, it's, it's actually changing now as you are changing, as God inhabits the praises of his people. And the praises of his people are more than just words in a song. They are every action, choice, and thought that we take captive for Christ and meet out in our everyday life. Amen? Amen. So every decision you make for Jesus, every thought that you don't act on, every word that you say is an intentional decision for Jesus. He will inhabit if it is in line with his gospel of life. Yes? Yes. So conversely, choices that we make that are not in line with his gospel, we can fully expect them not to be blessed. Yes? Yes, so why do we get caught up in that then? Why do we fully expect God to give us a free pass because we're Christians? Right? Hey, I'm not talking about mistakes here now, right? We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I am Olympic standard mistake maker. (laughs) Olympic standard. It is untouchable. The level of mistake I can make is breathtaking to those around me. It is like, did you learn nothing? Did you learn nothing? I'm like, ah, evidently not but you know what Uh, God takes our bad choices our bad decisions our rubbish mistakes and he beautifies them if we redeem them through the only one who can redeem that is Jesus Christ almighty you can't expect a mistake to be righted through goodwill and good intentions alone that's called self-sufficiency but we rely on something much higher and much bigger than us don't we don't we And so the word I'm bringing you today is a word of encouragement. It's called the path of purpose. And we're going to be focusing on one of the other, you know, last week we had a great word from Aaron. Where is she over there? And we talked about three of the great patriarchs of the Bible. So there was Abraham, there was Moses, and there was Joseph. Today I'm bringing another young man to you. I know, so many men, right, in the Bible. There are women also. The gospel is for everyone, not so gender specific. This is from the book of Daniel. Okay, and we're looking at the first chapter of Daniel. And what I just want us to get today is, is that God uses and perfects every single one of our circumstances to complete his will in our lives. Yes, every single one of our circumstances, whether it is based on a choice you made that was not in line with his gospel or not, he will take our circumstances and glorify them for his purpose. Amen. That should be life in our bodies right now. That God loves me so much for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet he went to the cross to love on us. That should be life in our body right now. That should be marrow in our bones right now. That no matter what I have done, Christ can redeem it. He can make up for what the locusts have eaten. 
That's what the Bible says, isn't it? So what has been eradicated and destroyed, God can rebud. How beautiful. But it has to be intentional. It has to be based on intentional choices we are making in line with the beautiful doctrine and gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes? You cannot go your own way if you are a Christian. You got that? People are like, oh, I think you'll find Andrew. I have free will and choice. I'm a British taxpayer. I can do what I want. You know, yeah, okay, okay, you can. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But don't then think and sit in a mealy mouth place where God isn't blessing you the way you think you should be blessed. Because that's what we want. I can do what I want. Bless me. Bless me. Just like that. Bless me. You say it's all about blessing, Lord. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Well, go ahead and bless. But we have to bless him first. Got it? Isn't this great stuff? Oh, it's so much life. But this is what he talks about, okay? So in Daniel, there is purpose. You are born with purpose. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because so much of our 21st century life is caught up with, what am I meant to do? What's the will of God for my life? What's the will of God for my life? Am I on the right course? Shall I do that? Shall I leave this job and go for another job? Shall I do this? Shall I do that? Am I in the right church? Am I doing this? And we get so hung up and we forget that the purpose of God that we are born with is to love him more than we love ourselves. End of. End of. Full stop. Write that down. The purpose that you are born with is to love God more than you love yourself. They love not even their lives unto death. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? You know, where we hand over, where he becomes more and we become less. So we're kicking off with Daniel. Are you all ready to love God more than you love yourselves, by the way? Right. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, are we ready to live a life that demonstrably proves that we love God more than we love ourselves? Now, I'm not talking about how I love you. No. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living a life where I demonstrably, demonstrably show that I love Jesus more than I love me. (laughs) People are looking down all of a sudden. People's shoes are terribly interesting right now. So listen, this is where we are at. Intentionally engaging with the word. If you have your Bible, please turn to Daniel 1. I'm going to be reading in the message, but due to technical issues beyond our control, the NIV is going to come up. Is that all right? So here we go. Daniel. Daniel? Everybody heard of Daniel? Yes. Most notable to be found in a lion's den. Yes? But not anymore, for he got out through the pleasure of God. But Daniel was a young man. Okay? Background. Daniel was a young man. He was of nobility, living, I think he was of the tribe of Judah, living in Israel, all was well, all was well, until those ruddy Babylonians, isn't it? Oh, that King Nebuchadnezzar, and off they went, taken into exile, yes? Yes? Right, be with me for goodness sake, come on, time is money. Right, here we go. It was in the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, oh, do you know the Old Testament is full of names like that, no? And you read it and you think, oh, Lord, can we just have no names with J's, K's, I's? And can they be called Dave? <laughs> they never are, they? Yeah. In the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, when King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon declared war on Jerusalem and besieged the city, the master handed King Dave of Judah over to him, along with some furnishings from the temple of God. Nebuchadnezzar took king and furnishings to the country of Babylon, the ancient Shinar. He put the furnishings in the sacred treasury. 
Okay, ready? Got that? Where did he put? These are the things from the temple of God that the heathen king took and locked away in a heathen palace and treasury. The things of the Most High God were taken captive and locked away. It wasn't just the people that were taken. They took the things from the temple. The things belonging to the Most High God were removed and locked away from sight. That is the land that these young men were living in. Yes? Where they were allowed to have no outward recognition or tangible evidence of the God they served. Got it? Right, that becomes relevant later. The king told Ashpenaz, head of the palace staff, to get some Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men who are healthy and handsome, intelligent and well-educated, good prospects for leadership positions in the government, perfect specimens, the creme de la creme, the creme de la month, as Delboy would say, of them all, and indoctrinated them in the Babylonian language and the law of magic and fortune-telling. The king then ordered that they be served from the same menu as the royal table, the best food, the finest wine. After three years of training, they would be given positions in the king's court. Four young men from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were among those selected. The head of the palace staff gave them Babylonian names. Daniel was named Belteshazzar. Hananiah was named Shadrach. Mishael was named Meshach. We know these guys, don't we? Yay, everyone's singing in their head right now. I can hear you. Azariah was named Abednego. Why is that relevant? You're thinking, Andrew, you're just reading bits of history to me. What's this? What's this? What's this? I want you to know that every word in the Bible is gold if we choose to see it because there are people in this church sitting here looking at me right now who are in exile you have been taken captive you are in exile from God and the things of God God has been locked away in a storehouse and you can't find him we're going through the motions of worship and being here and you are hoping against hope that he's going to break through for you you with me? oh I wasn't expecting that she'd been quite funny up until now Andrea, listen, it is a symbol of our predicament right now. They were taken out of exile and they were to be used for other purpose than the godly purpose that had been established. The call on our lives right now throughout this is to maintain our purpose in God. Right? So even though you feel disconnected, disengaged, heart sore, heart sore, heartbroken, and removed from what you think should be happening in your lives, you still have purpose in Christ Jesus. Yes? And your purpose remains paramount in Christ Jesus. So even though it can look like your life has nothing to do with God right now because you feel he has withdrawn himself, what I am saying is is that we, at this moment, right now, we re-engage with the Most High God. We re-engage with the Most High God to recognize that your purpose in him is divine and godly and purpose that cannot be removed. The purpose of your life cannot be removed. Now, we are given specific purpose as well, aren't we? Let's not mess about because that will be revealed through our life. Of course, we're called to different things. Of course, we are. Yes? And God reveals that. But our specific and godly purpose remains the same, which is to love our God more than we love ourselves. So even in a time of exile, you still love God more than you love yourself. Yes? So even at a time where you think, God, I don't know what's happening here. I need answers. I need answers before I can re-engage with your godly purpose. Because that's what we do. Isn't it? That's what we want. Lord God, sort this bit out for me, and then I can worship you again. Lord God, sort this bit out for me, and then I can get back into serving in church. Because my head isn't in the right place at the moment and you don't understand what's going on and it's awful. And listen, it is awful for some of you, I get it. It's awful for a lot of us. 
That's what you need to see. But some of us are better, maybe, at being that little bit resilient, and that's what today is about. Every one of us can engage that resilience in Christ Jesus because he has overcome. Got it? He has fought battles you will never have to fight. I pray God none of you have to be crucified. E.G. Are you with me? That kind of brutality and brutalism that was put onto him without reason, he did so that we can live whole and free. And yet we choose to be in a jail. Are you with me? Because it can be anything. We're looking at ourselves and thinking, oh, I'm not in a jail, Andrea. If you have got a recurring thought, a recurring anxiety, a recurring thing that is holding you down and shackling you, a recurring guilt, a recurring shame, a recurring lie that was spoken over you, if you are holding on to that, then you are shackling yourself and that is not the goodness of God in your life. Because the goodness of God says, I am given godly purpose, I am made in his image, I am seen, I am known, I am loved, I am cherished, I am desired by the Most High God. So whatever you need to say about me, or have to say about me, I put to one side. Yes? You see, we label people, and it's easy to do so. So these boys were even given a new name. They were given a new name. Let's eradicate their godliness and call them something else. You might have been called some stuff in your time, but God knows your name. God chose your name, and he calls you his. He calls you his. And that's what I cling to in times. I cling to that. Say what you will about me. God loves me. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Can you see what I'm trying to say? Because I know it's difficult, and I know, well, uh, uh, you know, what we think it. I think we need to get to grips with, as a church, some difficult conversations that we all need to have with ourselves and with other people. Our nobility and royalty as a priesthood in God does not mean we don't go through difficult times. Right? And difficult times are not always an attack by the devil. Oh, guys, come on. Do you know where he is right now? Under your feet. So if you're a saint of Christ Jesus, he's right under your feet. So why are you giving him the credence and the headline? Oh, this is an attack of the enemy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Do you know what? Let's praise the Most High God because he is all-powerful. So what we want to do is be in a place that says, do you know what? I might be removed. Things might be going wrong. Things might be going wrong. That doesn't mean God isn't for me. Right? Oh, Bishrel, sorry. But it's true, isn't it? But we remove ourselves from the goodness of God because we believe he's allowing attack to happen. Bad things in our life happen. Difficulties happen. Struggles happen. It doesn't mean it's an attack by the enemy. Are you with me? People are like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because I guess what? Once we get that in our heads, it totally means we can reframe our lives. And God gets the glory. And instead of thinking, oh, my gosh, how do I get through this? You think, okay, what are you going to teach me through this? What are you going to teach me through this to get through this? And when I get through it, I can teach other people. Do you understand? Do you understand how God wants to use you? But we relinquish our godly purpose as soon as hard times come. We relinquish it because we give the headline to the hard time rather than God. We say, oh my gosh, it's all so awful. And it is a struggle. And pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Listen, I love prayer. And prayer is the glue that holds everything together. It is the cement. But you know what God is looking for as well? Proactive, intentional action. That's faith. On the day you don't even want to get up out of bed, you get up, put your lipstick on and show up. Do you get me? Most of us put lipstick on. Just saying. But you get what I'm saying? On the day you don't feel like serving, show up and serve. 
On the day you don't feel like praising, stand up, put your hands in the air and worship him. He doesn't stop being God. Are you with me? So, you know, we might be waiting patiently and we don't want to hold on to what God's doing and it's all a bit much and we think, oh, why can't you change it? Why can't? That's ultimately what we want, isn't it? Isn't it? If we're honest, ultimately what we want is for God to change stuff. So we we nag him. We nag God. Oh, can you change it? Can you change it? If only this bit wasn't happening, can you change it? Can you change it? Oh, if only this bit wasn't happening, can you change it? Can you change it? And God's going, have you forgotten who I am? Because that's what he says to Job. Who is this that dares darken my counsel? Is what he told Job. (sighs) You know, we're talking to the most high God and we whine at him like we're Kevin the teenager. Right? That is what we do. Oh, oh, just show you love me. Prove it, prove it, prove it. If you prove you love me, then I'll tell other people. Instead of saying, he isn't showing up, but I'm still going to tell you how much I love God. We want the demonstrable action of God without doing anything ourselves. You with me? So we're like, oh, God, prove it, prove it, prove it. And then everyone will see how much you love me. And then I can just be a really good Christian and tell them. And God's going, what are you doing with my son, Andrea? Because last time I checked, you didn't get crucified. Last time I checked, you weren't the one being brutalized. Last time I checked, I said I loved you and I'd given you everything you need for holy living. So where are you right now? Are you with me? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? It is hard. It is hard. I'll give you that. But is it doable? Absolutely. You see, we're not just purposed for godly living. We are purposeful for godly living. And that's where we need to be. So God is in control. I have got points. So gosh, I didn't say that. We're on point one. We're halfway through point one. God is in control. Oh, if only we could get that. God is in control. Things are happening you don't understand. Gosh, why, why is this? I'm doing everything I should. God is in control. God is in control. You know what? We can just let back, sit there and say, God is in control. And he is shining through me to change the world around me. Yes? Yeah. Do you understand that? Do you believe that? Yeah. I would think some of you don't. Can I be honest? <laughs> Your reaction to me right now suggests people are going, well, I never. This is all quite astonishing. You're telling me that I have to do something and not just pray and insist that God acts on my behalf. Yes, I am. Is that all right? Excellent. Point two, we're moving on. I don't know how long I've been. Don't ask me. Right, okay, point two. Your life is full of purpose. For this, I've got props. Katie, don't fall. Right, here we go. (laughs) Mind your feet, everyone. I I fear for her. Here we go. Here she goes. (laughs) She's walking far. Thank you, put them here. A round of applause for Katie, everyone. Isn't she lovely? We could have had it. was like Julie Walters in that sketch by Victoria Wood with the soup. Have you seen her when she's walking and spilling it? And like, oh, this could go either way. No, you were wonderful. You were excellent. Now, Daniel was chosen with three of his friends for special purpose. As I said, God reveals his special purpose. A side note I was thinking when I wrote this, and I didn't write down was, you know what? When your special purpose is revealed, it doesn't mean that your initial purpose goes to the side. Okay, so lots of people think our purpose, as I have said, is to love God more than we love ourselves. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, yes? I think people think, oh, what does that mean? Basically, love God more than you love you, yes? But when our bits of special purpose then get revealed, worship, e.g., you know, you move into that. 
We need to be really, 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 really careful. That's how serious I am about this church, that we don't lose sight of our godly initial purpose. Because it is utterly pointless that you lead worship if you have forgotten to love God more than you love yourself. You with me? So when this bit of special purpose, this calling is revealed to you, it is still behoven on us to say, God, you come first, I come second. Instead of, oh gosh, God's gifted me, aren't I marvellous? Now, quiet church and listen to me. That's what we want, isn't it? And we want that constant affirmation and we want that constant glory and that is easy to slip into. But what we need to do is say, my purpose remains the same. I love God more than I love myself. I love God more than I love myself. I love you more than I love myself. And I love myself last. Yes? That's the way your soul prospers. You with me? So, that's a side point. I have another side point uh, before I move on to my main point. Of, um, of point number two, which is uh, your life is full of purpose. So these are sub-points to point two. The second sub-point is Daniel had good mates. Good, godly mates. Right? He stuck with a crew who loved God like he loved God. So if you are with anybody toxic or anybody who doesn't love God like you love God, then you need to be really, really mindful about what that group is and the effect it has on you. Okay, because this world with its ideology right now is so positive and so inclusive and so this and so that, it can easily, just a fraction, lead you off the path that is Jesus Christ and into something completely contrary. But all the while, you're doing it with your mates and they're good, so that's not bad, right? Right? Because if you're with good people, you know, that's okay. But if you're not with godly people, that's when the problem happens. Do you understand? So the point of this is... Cut off toxic people in your life. If you're with a friendship group that tears you down rather than building you up, you know what? That's not godly. That's not godly. You don't need that in your life. I'm not saying, you know, we are become these hateful people who are like, I'm never speaking to you again. What I'm saying is, you choose deep down. And remember I said God inhabits our choices that are godly, as well as our praises, because our choices are praise to him. Yes? So when you make a godly choice to choose something of him rather than not him, he inhabits it and blesses it. So that includes being with people who build up Jesus, not you. Right? So if the only reason you're in that friendship group is because they're all really messed up and it makes you feel a bit better... That is not a great friendship group. If the only reason you're with that friendship group is because you all hate the same person, you all get to run down the same person, that's not a great friendship group. If you're with a friendship group who will tell you when you're wrong and love you when you're wrong, that's a great friendship group. That's a great friendship group. You should hear us in our leaders' meetings. We go at it, right? But you know what? Iron sharpens iron. So we are in places where we maybe disagree on things, but the fundamental principle in that meeting is love. And, and, and helping a church and leading a church that is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ and being led on according to the Bible, not our own likes and dislikes. So yeah, we come up against each other sometimes. But we love on each other nevertheless. Yeah. You with it? Surround yourselves with good people. That's another sub-point. Right, on to the main point. Oh, we got there. We got there. Now then, I have two things. Look at my two things. Okay, there's water and there's fizzy pop. Okay. It does say that Daniel had the best wine and food, but we didn't have any. So we've got um, Pepsi Max. Other brands are available. Okay? (laughs) For those listening online, this is not an ad. Hashtag not an ad. Right, so Pepsi Max and water. Now, what happened was, Daniel said, hey, 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 this is great. You've kidnapped us. 
let's let that go. Um, you're going to say, hey, you're quite good looking and you're quite clever. He sounds great, doesn't he? <laughs> he sounds really great. But anyway, that's an aside. Sub not three. Right. <laughs> so moving on. What? Oh. Oh. Right. He said, I know, this is what happens when thoughts leak from my brain out of my mouth and I haven't had the time to count. Oh. So Daniel and his friends said, okay, you're marvellous. You can be my advisors. It takes three years to train. Are you in? Yes, okay. Do we have a choice? No, I'll cut your heads off. Okay, we'll do it. So that's how it went. And he said, right, because you're now in my special university or whatever it was, you get to eat the food from the royal table. Yay! And Daniel went, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know what? Because you king, you're not our king. We serve a much higher purpose. So your royal food will not pass our lips. We will stick to water and vegetables. Vegan. Hey, plant-based. <laughs> so current. The Bible is so current and relevant. Oh, my gosh. Not that. That's a special thing. Right. So, he's, so you get this vegan diet. And um, he says, we won't eat it. We won't eat it. There is a problem as Christians if we go along with everything that presents itself as a really, really easy opportunity. You with me? So Daniel said, I will not bow down to your God into the lion's den with you. You know, I will not eat your food. And the steward is going, uh, listen now, Dan, mate, this king, he's not to be messed with. He will, he will cut your head off if you don't. And Daniel's like, uh, let's try it for 10 days. If all goes well, present it to the king. If we look okay, you'll be fine. But we're not eating the food anyway. We're not eating the food anyway. So whether it goes well with you or whether he does kill us, this is the point. We're not eating his food anyway. Do you see where I'm going with this? If this is your temptation, listen, every opportunity God has ever given me has presented itself initially as hard work. Nobody would choose hard work. We'd all like to have the easy route, wouldn't we? We'd all choose the wine over the water given half a chance. But God says, do you know what? It's water for you, but it's life. So if this is temptation for you, this is what you have to do. You have to move it out of arm's length, right? You have to remove temptation for your life because lots of us are strong enough to resist. <laughs> I'm not. I've given up chocolate for Lent. And it came crashing down last night with birthday cake. And it was, <laughs> it was awful. And, uh, you know... But I was talking to one of my colleagues in work, and we were talking about, I've never done a Lenten fast before. Never. I know. I went in and I said, I can't eat those. I'm, I'm fasting for Lenten. Somebody went, oh, are you Catholic? Like that. <laughs> like that. I went, no. Yeah, like, like that's the worst thing they could think of. <gasps> are you Catholic? No. My colleague in work, I said, she said, oh, I'm fasting for Lent too. True story. I said, oh, what have you given up? She went, fish. I said, do you like fish? And she went, no, not really. <laughs> I said, how's it going? And she went, really well. <laughs> really well. Not missing it at all. And that's the other thing about the wine and the water. Right, here we go. If it's easy to give up, is it worth giving up? If it's easy to sidestep, why are you sidestepping it? You know what? The things of God, when we push away that temptation, it should hurt. Because you need to know that that is your sinful nature screaming for what it wants. And God going but I'm more. I'm more. You know, there's a young person in this church, a YA in this church, who at Christmas time was seeing a girl who wasn't a Christian, and he said to her, this is a young man in our church, I am not going to have sex with you. And she dumped him. 
But I tell you what, that is a choice that God inhabits. And we should be big enough for our young people to make those godly choices. Because when you remove temptation like that, the wine is delicious. The treats are tasty. And the water presents itself as a tiny bit boring, doesn't it? And a tiny bit punitive. Look at what you could have won. You know, look at it. You could have had all that gorgeous stuff and instead you're giving me this. And God's going, ah, but don't be fooled. Because when I come to set you free, I set all the captives free. Right? When I come with freedom, I give you all liberty. When I come with life, it's not just life, it's abundant life. So when you put off the things of this world in the name of Jesus Christ, he gives you everything aside from what you wanted. Aside from what you wanted. Do you understand what I'm saying? The temptation is what you want. Our flesh craves it. Our flesh craves that stuff, doesn't it? It's a little bit naughty. Nobody will ever find out. Biggest lie in the world. Biggest lie in the world. Nobody will ever find out. Nobody will ever know. You will. And you'll have to live with it. And it wrecks your head. You with me? This is what happens. Put temptation away from you. Put it far away. Recognize what God has. His purpose comes in the form, sometimes, of absolute denial of self. Are you with me? Nobody wants to hear this stuff. You know what? The most difficult conversations in the world we avoid as a church? Sex. Money. Come on. Right, we avoid all this stuff. Do you know why? Because it puts people off. People get a little bit miffed when you start picking away at that stuff. Why? Because that's my life, that is, Andrew. You've got no right to talk into my life. Do you know what? If you're a Christian, you should be living according to the Bible. It shouldn't mean me bringing it to you. Do you understand? If the conviction, do you know what the Holy Spirit convicts of? Sin. Sin. But we made the person who said it our hate factor. So, I can't believe you spoke to me like that. And we ignore the fact the Holy Spirit is going, this isn't okay. This isn't okay. So, when we're here in church and our hands are up on a, Monday, on a Sunday, you need to remember, if your life isn't matching up with what you're singing, it doesn't matter if your hands are up. Because it isn't worship. Because what you're singing is, I choose my way, not yours. I love this song. And I'm getting carried away in this moment. It's beautiful. But actually, ultimately, I choose my way, not yours, God. And God's going, I can't enter into a worship like that. Because it's about me. Listen, in the Bible, Isaiah 53, that verse we love, the chapter we love to read out at Easter. All about the prophecy, isn't it? Amazing. How to, who has heard our word and who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? It's amazing. Straight after that, you know what happens? Isaiah 54, tick. Right, but what that says? Sing, O barren woman. Sing, you who never bore children. For greater are the children of the barren woman than the woman who is married. Stretch forth your tent. In your, what you see as reduction, God's going, I expect you fully to praise my holy name and watch as I expand you. Are you with me? Because God is faithful. Point three, God is faithful. Because when they were presented to the king, do you know what happened? They looked fabulous. That's a vegan diet, people. They looked fabulous. <laughs> hair flowing, nails growing, everything. They were like that. Flicking their hair up the way they were. And they were like, oh my gosh, you look so amazing. And that's what we think. We think when we choose the things of God, our world's going to get smaller. There is no reduction with God. God doesn't reduce your world. Do you think he delights in things like that? Do you think he delights in you giving up stuff and he can be a bit mean to you? Do we? Realistically? 
Do we think, do you know what? If I don't do this, God is going to come through for me. Why? Because I know I love him. That's what he does. We expect a blessing. We expect prosperity. We would never admit that to ourselves, would we? Because it maybe doesn't mean money. Sorry, Pepsi Max, Pepsi Max. Mm -hmm. You'll kick that over now. We expect God to act, but we don't expect us to act. We don't see our role in it. So sing, barren women. Those of us going through a hard time today, those of us feeling loss, rejection, and need to be loved, all of those things that are actually really reasonable, all of us experiencing those things today, God is saying, sing, barren woman. Don't wait until I act and then sing about me. Do, Do you know what I mean? Don't wait until that situation is resolved and then say, oh, God was so good, didn't that? Sing now. Sing now. So that your God in heaven, the people around, can see how much you love him. And the the words of Job, though he strike me down, yet will I praise him. Where he is lifted up, irrespective of what's happening to me. You know what? My finer feelings have no place in this. God sees me. God hears me. God loves me. And he does the same for you. But in that place, what we say is, I will sing my heart out to my Lord. Because he loves me. And I might be going through this, I might be barren right now, but God loves me and he sees you and he says, I will enlarge you. And it'll confound people. It'll confound people. They think, well, she did that. That shouldn't be happening to her. And God says, oh, do you know what? I will use these things to confound them. And people will say, well, how did you get that? All I did was love God more than I loved me. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we get to that point. I'm nearly done, I'm nearly done. I don't know how long I've been. Could be about four days, I don't know. The final point I want to get to is, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to be in a place right now where things are happening. Well, why has this happened? It's okay to get a bit shaky about it. It's okay to say, what's going on? It's okay to ask the question. In Luke, John the Baptist, John the Baptist sends a messenger to Jesus who's baptizing in the river. And he tells him to say, John sent us and just wants to know, is it you or should we expect someone else? And Jesus is so gracious, is so loving, is so kind. And he says, stay here for a while. Watch this. And Jesus is doing his thing. And he says, now go back and tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the sick are healed. And those who want redemption find it in me go back and tell him that and do you know what we don't call John the Baptist John the doubter do we we don't we call Thomas the doubter we don't call John the Baptist the doubter because he was allowed he said is it you is it you because his life was given over in service his purpose was to make big and large the name of Jesus Christ when he came and he did and John was blessed John had to give up his life John had to give up his life but there was that moment where God says oh Jesus says, you know, there is no one, no one on this earth, woman born, who is greater than John. That's what Jesus says. Jesus said that. You know what Jesus was? Woman born. Right? That's Jesus saying it. And when we are faced with that humility of Christ, who didn't even consider himself worthy enough to do that, when we consider 